Hello everybody and welcome to The Art of Flourishing. My name is Lauren De Silva. I am your host for today and, to, and today we're joined by Julie Grange. Julie was born and raised in a small town in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. She considers faith and family to be the most important thing to her. And if she isn't spending time with family, she may be loom knitting, reading, or watching a great movie. Julie enjoys history, travel, and spending time with her dogs and cats. The Steep Climb is Julie's first book collaboration, and we were lucky enough to have her make a contribution to Being and Belonging, um, in which she shares her story of, um, you know, the steep climb towards overcoming grief. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, Julie. So nice to have you. Well, thank you, Lauren. It's really nice to be here. Well, um, for those of you who don't know, Julie is one of the contributing authors of Being and Belonging, like I just mentioned, and her contribution is named The Steep Climb. Um, in it, she shares a lot of her story and her um, you know, journey through a pretty intense grieving process. Um, and Julie, I was wondering if you could share just a little bit about your story um, with us Give us a little bit of context to who you are um, and what brought you to the place where you wanted to share your story with other people. All right. Um, Yes. So, you know, I did go through a lot of grief, a lot of, um, I don't know, it's hard to explain all all the different emotions that I did go through. And, you know, I wrote this chapter and I, I, wanted to share it because it's something that has been dear to my heart where I know that I'm not the only person who's gone through this and I guess I could say that it's something that just kept telling me you've got to get this out you know so you can do more of the healing process as well and it you know what brought me to that is like you know growing up I I lived in a pretty sheltered life I guess you could say small town um my parents, you know, I never saw them fight. They were, they were like the stronghold of the family. And, um, you know, I was really secure. My friends and family, I knew they would always be around. And, um, you know, so I guess I got into this kind of a, a thing where I knew, I knew that all these people would be in my life. I knew they would be supporting. I knew I had these people and, um, you know, so, I met my husband later in life and I moved away um, like 2000 miles away to this different culture, this different background. I didn't know anyone. And, you know, I thought, well, my husband's not going to be my stronghold. My person that's always going to be there. He's not going to let me go. I won't let him go. And so I felt secure in life. And um, unfortunately it didn't stay that way. Um, you know, life happens. And especially, you know, the first couple of years of marriage can be really difficult. And so my husband and I, um, you know, through many things, we end up separating. And I moved back the 2,000 miles to where I grew up at. And, you know, so that I feel very deeply about things. And, you know, besides normal grief, I just felt like a failure. I felt... You know, I didn't even know if I'd hear from him again. I didn't, you know, he had just said, we're divorcing. And I'm like, I took it so literal and didn't think there was any hope at all for us. And, 
then I moved, when I moved back, my dad had, you know, he had had Alzheimer's before I moved away and he had progressed quite a lot in the time I'd been gone. Um, and so I thought, you know, what more could it be? And I ended up losing a family friend that I had known my whole entire life and losing my uncle and my dad. And then, um, not long after I'd moved back, I found out I had a tumor. So all of this separation, the loss of three family members, the tumor was all within about eight months. Mm -hmm. And I actually was kind of worried about myself because the grief was so intense, so much. And, you know, didn't know how to process. And I, I became really angry and you know, I I know I was not a pleasant person to live with or be around at all. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I remember reading a book, What Would Jesus Do?, that things started turning around. And I thought, you know, it's not just me. And I, I don't remember the exact circumstance, but it's only once I started to stop thinking about myself and my grief and put myself into somewhere where I could concentrate on something else that I was able to start processing and thinking about somebody else. And that's when my healing um, began. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I guess I would start thinking about, um, when I when I talk to somebody, what would Jesus do, or what would He say? And I had to have forgiveness for both myself and for others, um, and for my husband too, in order to process the grief, because you have your stages, and they come in different different orders. But I think mine came with the anger and then it came with the you know forgiving or acceptance and then all all the time during this the other things popped back up it is like back and forth between this stage and that stage but my husband did eventually call me and talk to me and it wasn't easy (laughs) for a long time um but once I started thinking, what would Jesus do that my life changed? And when I started putting it in there saying, would Jesus forgive? Would he accept? Would he do this? Would he say this? That, and once I put myself in somebody else's view, that this grief started processing and going away. Mm. So, um, and part of my part of this process is knowing that I cannot be the only person out there that has gone through this. Um, and if my story could help somebody else, if I could share some of the rawness of of what happened and be strength for somebody else, then what I went through can be worth it. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah. I'm just, I've got so many, like, my thoughts are ping-ponging off so many things that you've said, but I just wanted to kind of highlight 
what I heard or what I learned just from listening. And I've had the privilege of reading your story a number of times, but just listening to you share it like verbally and unpack that experience. I, I mean, it sounds to me like that the book that you read or the or just that phrase, like what would Jesus do, just gave you a brand new perspective on the experience that you were going through and kind of almost even a tool, right? So I think one of the hardest things about grief, at least in my experience, was that I didn't know what to do with the those intense emotional experiences. And like, you're right, the grief comes in waves and in phases and you get really angry and then really sad and really depressed. And then you try and do some forgiveness yeah. work and then you feel really angry again. Um, yeah. And I know in my life and the times that I've processed grief early on, I didn't have any tools for those emotions. And just just having a question or a perspective or a question that invites a perspective shift, what would Jesus do? I think like to me that sounds like, oh, now I've got a tool that can help me do something differently or interact with this emotional experience differently or it creates an opportunity for me to think about how how am I responding to this emotion versus just reacting to it and reacting to my life. Does Am I making sense? Can you, like... Oh, totally. You know, it's kind of like, you know, just thinking about it right now, it's kind of like, you're lost. You don't have anything to grab hold of. You're just spinning out of control. And then all of a sudden there's this light. And if you can focus on it and go that direction, you know, you can get out of it. Mm. And, you know, the, the grief is like that. It can be like this black hole that you can't even figure out what way is up, what way is down, you know. And so sometimes you have to have that anchor so that you can anchor yourself to something to get a direction to go. Mm. And that, that phrase was my anchor. It, it was my grounding rod that, you know, if I didn't know what to do, what to say, anything, I could think of that and go, oh, maybe I can answer this question. Mm. And maybe I could think this way. Mm. Well, I love it because it's so simple. And it's so, I mean, it feels, I mean, when you're in the throes of grief in that black hole, like you just said, um, a lot of things can feel very overwhelming and I, yeah. you know, and like a lot of book, I'm a book person. So that's, I, I gravitate towards, let me read 500 books on this issue. Um, <laughs> and that can also feel overwhelming, right? Like, Oh, yeah. in addition to all the things I'm feeling, I'm also learning and it's a lot. And I just, I mean, I just really appreciate and want to highlight and I guess celebrate the simplicity of, and, and powerfulness, uh, if that's a word of, you know, just having that phrase or that question to kind of hang on to. Um, I, one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, about grief is that it really is one of those human experiences. Like it's probably one of the, the most intense experiences we can go through as human beings. And it is like grief is not one feeling it's a collection of them or it's not one yeah. experience it's a collection of experiences and it's a collection of experiences that can really I think really define what it means to be a human being um yeah. and I would wanting to know from you like what 
What does fully embracing being a human being mean to you in this context of of processing grief? I think it means that you have to you have to accept that you have feelings and be okay with each of those feelings because if you don't it's kind of like a puzzle piece if you if you leave out any of your feelings you have an incomplete puzzle um and an incomplete person and you have to accept all of that in order to process you have to accept all of these pieces in order to to talk to somebody else because everybody has the same pieces how they use them is obviously different but we all have something we can identify within each other and we've all experienced things may not be in the same way but you know that somebody else has feelings and and so grief actually has a way of bringing people together because more I feel like more than any other time in when you're grieving you crave somebody else to identify to to comfort you to maybe you comfort them um mm. so it it's i mean there's so many times where you you see these grief counselors or grief groups and and that's that's it because there's so many people that experience it especially in the world today you know it's it's a tough world out there mm. and and so to me, belonging, being human means embracing, embracing everybody, embracing it, embracing feelings. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that, and I, I think that what you're saying about like that we, in this really intense season of life, called grieving, how much we crave connection, and how our culture, um, I don't think is prepared for the intensity of that emotional experience, that human experience. I also think that in our, in like in our Western culture, we, we really, we kind of like, we keep the hard stuff in the shadows, right? Behind closed doors, um, inside the closet. And we, we, we make grieving a private process where like I love what you're saying like it's actually a collective process and um I know just from like being able to live in a country like South Africa that um the not western cultures grieving was a public ceremonious act and that people would like other cultures create a grieving process that is deeply connected and deeply communal and deeply collaborative which I think is something that we can maybe learn from. But I also think that our tendency towards religion, like how we interpret our faith, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like we have, I find that in the U.S. at least, like there's this weird assumption. It's not, I think it's implicit. um, So it's not conscious or something that we say exactly the way I'm about to say it, but like, that God, I think what we kind of assume is that God wants us happy and laughing and on top of the world and in good spirits, um, that we shouldn't be trusting our emotions and that our emotions are bad or that some emotions are bad right. and some are good, some are evil, some are good. Um, and I think that a lot of the times, especially anger, 
falls into the bucket of, oh, well, that's not good or that is evil right. or not pleasing Definitely. to God and sadness to deep grief, like the, the sadness, depression part of faith. Like I know, I know people who have struggled with depression and have been told it's because they don't have enough faith. Um, but yeah. when we think of it, when, when we're looking at grief as a whole and like when you understand that it, in order to get to the other side, of grief to acceptance and like being able to metabolize it, you have to go like, there is no way through grief other than through anger and depression first. Right. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I just love your tool of what would Jesus do? Because I feel like it brings God into a process where like our really conservative religion goes, Oh God doesn't belong in this process. Just have faith and get over it. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know where it started, but, that it has to be put in the closet. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking as you were speaking this, that yes, God wants us to be happy, but have people realized that there's different ways of happiness as well. There's some people that they show to the outward appearance of people that they're happy, but do you see it in their eyes? And, you know, when you truly hear somebody do a, this big, deep belly laugh, you know, and, and you see it in their eyes, you see that they're happy. But, you know, that's the same way, you know, with, with the anger. In order to be happy, you have to be totally happy. You have to go through your stages mm. and be angry and be sad. And those all are part of the stage to get you to the true bottom of grief and, and to where it's coming. Because, you know, we don't like to be unhappy. We want to push it away. And in pushing it away, we don't always heal that's where some of these stages come from is we have to accept we have to be open to saying yes we are we are grieving we are unhappy and you know in the biblical times they used to like pour ashes over their heads and sit and tear their clothes and their family and friends would come and just sit with them mm. they wouldn't even necessarily talk to them and you know i i don't think it's anything now to be ashamed of if you're sad People should, you know, embrace it because you can't truly be happy if you have a grief inside you. Mm. And when you have people coming in and, you know, even a smile, a kind word, a, a you know, wave to somebody, um, that goes a long ways toward healing, you know, making you feel better and knowing you're not alone. And mm. You know, it, it isn't something to hide in the closet. Um, no, we probably don't like all the actions of people that are angry and, and all this. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for any of us to be, you know, to be either the grieving person or the non-grieving person and, ha and see that anger. But I think people forget to think of others and think of themselves and think of what they feel when they see it. Mm. And in the what would Jesus do, it actually makes you think of, if, first of all, right there, it makes you think of what would Jesus do, and you're not thinking about what you would do. You're thinking about mm. what he would do. And then when you think about what he would do, then you're saying, you're seeing it through his eyes, and you're seeing if he saw this situation. So now you're looking at the situation from somebody, some other point of view, like you're looking at somebody else. Mm. And then it all goes to you stop thinking about yourself and you start thinking about something else. And once you do that, 
you start learning that thing about other people makes can make you happy. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it is a, I know we went from being, you know, in a closet to starting to think about somebody else, but that's, you know, that's kind of what it is. It's being out there, being outside. And, you know, and it also goes back to that dark hole. If you're sitting in the house and you're just sitting by yourself, you're not doing anything to get out of that dark hole. Mm. So, um, and I guess it would also be like for me, part of mine is how can I help somebody else because I've experienced this. So how can I help them go through their thing? How can I help them embrace the whole, the whole thing? And maybe by, you know, helping them go through, maybe they're going to help somebody else. It's kind of like that pay it forward movie. It, it all domino effects into somebody else. You help them, they help somebody else, they help somebody else. And, and then we've helped each other collectively. So true and so good. Um, Julie, what, what kind of wisdom nugget or soul treasure would you, are you hoping that anyone reading your story or in the book, what do you hope that they take away from reading what you share with us? You know, I think another um, thing that I read once was, um, it's a Native American thought of, um, don't judge somebody until you've walked a mile in their moccasins. And I think that's, that's the lesson or the, the thing I've, that I keep coming back to um, is that you don't know somebody else's story until you've walked in their shoes and that once you walk in their shoes, it, it actually increases your it can increase your own joy of life when you when you've expanded out to include everybody. Mm. And um, you know, we're all people. We all want to be loved. We all want friends, and we're not each other's enemies. Mm. So, um, I guess that's what I want everybody to know that we all have grief. Just because mm. it's big doesn't mean it's any more important than somebody's tiny little grief. Mm. You know, it, it's grief. And it's happiness, it's joy, and that, you know, we just need to love each other and, and, and try to see why somebody else is acting or being how they are. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, so what we're doing in the podcast is every single guest that I have, I ask them to share their favorite soul gardening or flourishing practice with the rest of us and so in doing so hoping to collect or put together some kind of imaginary soul care kit or flourishing toolkit and so we have to ask you what is your favorite or go-to soul gardening or flourishing practice that you think everyone listening should know about or hear about I think mine is you know I'm like you said earlier you like books I'm a book person I feel like books can be your best friend. They can be your learning tool. And my favorite thing, the thing that got me through all of this is reading Psalms from the Bible over and over because there was something for every single situation. When, you're, when I was happy, I read 
so many happy things in there. When I was sad, I read so many things because that, you know, David, who wrote most of, of Psalms, he experienced all these things. So my my practice that, that helped me, that made me just feel happier, even during my saddest times, was just reading reading Psalms. That's awesome. I love, yeah, one of my favorite things about books too is the, like how transcendent empathy can be. And I think that like I consider some of my favorite mentors to be authors and like I get to be mentored by people who are no longer on the side of eternity. Um, And so, yeah, I love how just well-written poetry songs psalms stories can bear witness to what we're experiencing and so short of having a physical human being in the room who's able to mirror and empathize and express what we're struggling to feel i think books are a great stand-in um and i totally agree with you so leading on to that um do you have like a favorite, like what are your favorite words or piece of literature, whether it be a quote from a song, a poem, a book, whatever, um, that you'd like to leave with us? Just like a short word of encouragement or words of encouragement that are some of your favorites. You know, <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this. I'm, I'm not much for memorization, so I read it and then I probably have to read it, you know, again, to remember everything, but I still, you know, I've mentioned it so many times in here, and I probably still would say my favorite thing has got to be the two, um, the what would you do and the um, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes uh, mm. because they're, they're just, I use those so much during this time that they're just kind of ingrained in me when you ask mm. people, like, that's the first thing I think about. And, um, you know, there's just so so many so many other things I could say, but you know, I think each person has their own thing that that touches them. So I would I would just have to tell somebody that whatever makes you feel better, or whatever you find that is the first thing you look for when you're feeling down, that that's what you should take with you mm. or write it on a mirror, put it somewhere but look at it multiple times a day that's that's what you need to have awesome yeah that's i love that it's an iteration of what you know what we would call the golden rule to treat others yeah. how you want to be treated to love others um i love that so much well julie thank you Definitely. so much thank you so much for sharing with me today thank you so much for chatting to me Thank you for sharing your story today, but also in your contribution to being in belonging. Um, I appreciate you. I loved getting to know you better. Um, and I can't wait for everyone listening to get to know you better and to get to know your story in the book too. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And um, I have truly enjoyed this process and, and, you know, the healingness of even just sharing the, the book. And I can't wait till everyone gets a chance to read this. And I hope you do because not just mine, but there's so many other authors that have so much to give to you in this, in these books. Yep, I agree. All right, Julie, have a great one. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.
पड़ी This has been a Rogue Media Network production.